I want to want to give just a little uh, a little another little promo for Wednesday nights. I as I was been praying the last few weeks as we've been able to step away, and I just want to thank all of you once again who helped and carried things. Pastor Howe, Dr. David Garcia that came and ministered on the 11th, and then Pastor Howe did several services in a row for me. And as I was just able to disengage and just get away for just a little bit, felt strongly um, on my way back from youth camp as I was driving uh, 14 hours in the car with a 14-week-old dog. I'm a, I'm a crazy man. What I was I what was I thinking to get a puppy and drive all the way back from Virginia? That's a long story. I'll share with you sometime. But as I was trying to pray when he wasn't chewing my ear or tearing up something in the car, I felt very strongly that we would take Wednesday nights, the the next three Wednesdays in July, and dedicate it. And you might say, "What are we going to come in here and do?" Here, here's my answer: I don't know. We don't have any agenda. We're going to worship. We're going to seek the, 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 the will of the Spirit in that moment. There, the, you may get prayed over for healing. You might get prayed over and prophesied over for something else. Can I encourage you to come out on these Wednesdays? Because I think it's going to be very critical right here in the middle of the summer to seek God. And because summertime is naturally a time when people travel and people kind of get a little bit unfocused. And that's what I want to talk about today. If you turn to Colossians 1, I'm going to begin a new uh, series called Road Trip. Everybody say Road Trip. This is a popular time of year. And since I just got back from a road trip that when I got back into town, I kind of checked how many miles that I'd driven over the period of three weeks. And it was 5,689 miles that I traveled in the course of three weeks. So I'm a road trip expert at this point, and I want to just kind of focus on that direction over these next couple, two, three, four Sundays. And uh, we have been planning on taking just an extended little break there. And again, thank you for so many who helped, and thank the church here to just keep things running smoothly and And uh, we went up to a wedding, my niece's wedding there in Ohio. And then on the way back, we had a little vacation in Nashville. And then we're only back a short 48 hours before I headed up to Virginia with the youth and spent time up there. And we had a wonderful leadership team. This is the best group that we've ever taken to camp. And I just thank God for it. I thank God for what he did and does. Thank Calvary Church up in Inverness for all of their hard work and helping put that together. There was, I think, five or six churches total that were a part of that. And how many understand it's not about building a castle, it's about building the kingdom of God. So if you wonder, if if you're here visiting, you're like, man, what kind of church did I come to? We're not completely sure what kind of church. we, We know that we love Jesus, amen? And we know that there's a real God that we can tangibly experience when we just lay our lives down and follow Him with all of our heart. But I did all that driving and... As a matter of fact, on the way up uh, to Ohio, I told my wife, I said, we're going to take the scenic route. And she got a little frightened, to be honest with you, because she's like, what does that even mean? I thought, well, if we see something we want to stop at, and we went up a different highway than we've ever gone up to travel north, and uh, just had a really, really good time. But today I want to talk about road trip. I want to talk about the theme. And really what I came to in the title of my message is Road Trip, and each week it'll be a different message, of course. But, but here's what I began to think about. What if, everybody say what if. what if. And my what if question was this. 
is what if from now until 40 days from now, you made some course corrections on the road that you're traveling on that could actually put you in a completely different place of relationship with Jesus than what you have ever been on before. Amen? And it's amazing how just a few short course corrections can do that for us. How when we're traveling down the road of life, and one thing that that kind of hit me as I was driving and just able to just pray a lot and seek the Lord and just kind of disconnect a little bit from a lot of the everyday stuff. And that was a wonderful time for me. But personally speaking, understanding that I have a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old that... You know, we've poured into them now 17 and 15 years, and they're starting to become adults. They're starting to be, you know, have their own ways and will, and they're looking towards their future and what they're going to be and do in the future. So I really valued that family time and valued the, the time that I got to spend with them and really understanding that life's short, y'all. Amen? Amen. Would you agree with that this morning? That, that it is it, oftentimes, especially as young, you know, when we were all in our teens and younger, we all looked at life and we thought, man, this, you know, I can't wait to turn 18. Honey, if you're still a teenager in here, stay for a little bit because those bills and all real life hit you really quick. So we're going to take Colossians 1 verse 16 today as our anchor text. And this is a text that we will anchor into and talk about every single week. So my encouragement to you is write that down, come back to it, study it, meditate on it. Because here, here, here's my challenge I'm going to lay down here in just a few minutes. My challenge for you today is that in 40 days you're either going to be exactly the same on the road of life as what you are right now this morning, or you can be in a completely different place in the blessings of God, the the presence of God, your discipleship and everything else can be completely different in 40 days. Colossians 1 verse 16, the New King James Version reads it this way. I'm going to read the message version right after this because it brings out a translation of a couple things I want to pull out today. Colossians 1 verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things, everybody say all things, things. were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. The message version reads it like this. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in Jesus. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there towering far above everything and everyone. Listen, there's nothing you will see here or in eternity that will match Jesus Christ, church. There's nothing that you will see here or in eternity that is above our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything is submitted to him. I'm going to give you one more verse, Ephesians 1, 11 through 12. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Father, for these next few moments and minutes as we are here in your presence today, Lord, I pray that you would give me an unction and an anointing to share your word. That it wouldn't just be words, that it would literally be life spoken over the hearts of the people today. Let your word go forth like a seed. And be planted in good soil today. We trust you with the fruit 
of our lives. We trust you that as we are, as we are connected into the vine, that we are the branches. And God, you promised that we would bear much fruit. We know there's pruning. We know there's correction. We know there's course correction that you desire to bring today to bring us closer to you. But Lord, we begin this sermon today by just saying everything is unto you. Everything is under your feet. Everything is about you, through you, and for you. And Lord God, as we start this series on road trip, we pray that your blessings will be upon the word of God today and continually. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now think about that for a moment. When it says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. So the very natural thought that I had in reading that was simply this, that think about that for a moment, that anything that's not in and of Christ, that if someone hasn't committed their life to Christ, if somebody hasn't come and given him control and lordship of their life, then according to the context of this verse, they really don't know who they are and they really don't know what they are to do. And in this sermon today, young, old, whoever you are in here, I want you to just tune in for the next few minutes. And I want to begin to lay something out before you that we were all on a road trip called life. We are all heading in a direction. And we know from the word of God that no matter what twist and turn and left and rights in the direction you go, we know that Jesus in eternity awaits at the end of everybody in this room's life and those listening by live stream. And I began to ponder about life expectancy. Life expectancy, medical advancements, it's kind of going up. But on average, worldwide, life expectancy is roughly 70 years, which translates out to 25,550 days. And when one day is gone, how many know it's gone, right? So as I've been reflecting over these past few weeks, the question for me was, Jason, how have you managed those days? How have you managed the time that God has blessed you with? Because again, when you're leaving on a trip, you pack everything up and you begin to pick a destination. You pick a point that you're trying to get to. And nowadays, you just jot it into your GPS. I remember days before GPS. Amen. How many carried a big map in your... My dad had the big... It's like you can't even drive with that thing spread out. It would go from the front of the car to the back of the car. I'm like, how are we going to find our way? And then along came trip ticks from AAA. Anybody remember those? And then bless the Lord MapQuest. Lee and I traveled to many churches in our ministry when we were missionaries, recruiting teams. And man, we'd have that MapQuest staple together and Heaven forbid that you have one of those uh, one of those get out of line, right, out of the border, you'd end up in the wrong place. But one thing that we did when we were traveling up to Ohio, again, we were trying to take the scenic route, and one thing we did was we got off the beaten path and headed up into the mountains of West Virginia where I used to rock climb and run around and just have, a, have fun out in God's beauty and nature. And uh, we lost our GPS signal while we were up there. It just, the no phone signal. And I, I forgot that Leah doesn't trust my instincts as, as in my direction. <laughs> Hopefully nobody here is from West Virginia, but I said, Leah, just roll the windows down. If you hear the sound of banjos playing, you go the opposite direction. You don't go down that road. I quickly learned that she wasn't trusting my, my, I'm like, well, there's the sun, so that's over towards the west, and it's going to be setting, and just on and on and on, and I could see the look of concern on her face. But 
so many of us church are directionless. We are, we are floundering, just going from place to place, and we don't really know. So today, as I talk about road trip, as we anchor into this text of I want you to understand that you can have a completely different life. Because as I was traveling around and a little bit lost, to be completely honest, I would never admit that to Leah. So she's upstairs. Please don't tell her that I was lost a couple of times. But the scripture that came to me as we were driving was, and, and this is true spiritually for everybody in this room. The Bible says clearly, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it brings destruction. So there's a way that can seem right, but you can end up in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people if you aren't following God's principles of leadership, submitting everything to Him, and understanding. And it's amazing to me when we talk about we only get 25,550 days, give or take, amen, on average. It's the importance, and God has been laying this on my heart, the importance of treating every single day with the love, concern, and care that it is a gift. Amen? Amen. It is a tremendous gift. But I began to think about how the number 40, everybody say 40. 40. In other words, we get 25,550 days, and sometimes we think that it's going to take all of those days in order to make a change. But can I tell you, in Scripture, there can, God can do a miracle in a very short amount of time. Amen. 40 is very significant in the Bible. It's a significant number. You'll see it over and over and again. But in, what you see is God can use a short period of time to redirect people into His will. Take Noah, for instance. It rained for 40 days. And look, not only did that time reshape Noah's life, but it also reshaped the whole world, right? Moses, 40 days on Mount Sinai. So Moses goes up on Mount Sinai. He's communing with God. He's, he's getting to know God. He's with God. And not only did it reshape Moses' life, but it also reshaped an entire nation. The spies, they were 40 days in the promised land when they went in to see the land flowing with milk and honey. And of course, they came out with a, with a report that many said we weren't able and two said we were able Think of David, Goliath, is taunting the people of God for 40 days and talking and saying things about the people of God and their God. And, and David finally shows up after 40 days of that taunting. Elijah, 40 days from a single meal that God strengthened him with when he was in a bad place and God gave him a meal and strengthened him for 40 days. And God began to reshape and give him vision for what he was to do when he came back down off the mountain. Nineveh, there was 40 days to repent. Jesus spent 40 days fasting and praying in the wilderness. And He comes out full of the Holy Spirit and led by God. The disciples, 40 days with Jesus after His resurrection until Jesus ascended, told them to go wait in the upper room. It just makes me wonder when you think about that, that we are often in a place in life where we think, well, this is going to happen here. It's going to happen there. Can I encourage you that you get out of life what you put into it? You get out of, let me rephrase that, you get out of your spiritual life what you're putting into it. So if you think it's going to take years and years and years for you to be discipled and to find out what God desires for you to do, God can do more in dedication of 40 days to Him. And this is my challenge and my encouragement to you, is 40 days from now, 
and is in the middle of August, I think August 18th, it's a Saturday. I want to submit a challenge to you that you're either going to be the exactly same person dealing with the same issues, going around the same mountain the next 40 days, or, everybody say or, or. you can get some course correction and some direction on the road trip called life from God that will get, begin to course correct you into a place where you can be so full of God in 40 days, but here it is, it's your choice. It is your choice. God is not a respecter of persons. Amen? Amen. God doesn't look down at this congregation today and say, boy, I really want to bless this one over here, but I don't want to bless this person. No, no, no. God is such a good God. He makes Himself available in that relationship that we want to see grow. And here's the most important thing I can tell you. God has a plan and purpose for you. On this road trip called life. And let me tell you, there's nothing better, bigger, more awesome than knowing God through Jesus Christ. So my my point is, what if summer vacation, and this is my challenge over these next few weeks, and I want to encourage you to come on Wednesday nights because I believe God's just going to draw you closer to himself. Not a church, not a pastor, not anything but him because he is what you need this morning. But summertime kind of lends towards transition. It does. People, if they're going to move to a new area, they choose summertime so the kids are out of school. and they, they, So summertime kind of lends towards refocusing, getting ready to, to restart a school or move schools and kids and all the things that we deal with during the course of a summer. It naturally lends towards, towards, towards change. But here's what I want to tell you this morning, that not only does it lend towards change, but if we refocus ourselves right here in the middle of summer, this won't even be the same church 40 days from now than what it is right now. And that's my heart. That's my desire, is that this church continues to grow in their relationship with Jesus. So there's a question I want to begin with this morning, but before we can start this journey down this road of transformation, here's the question that we need to ask ourselves. Listen very closely. What is it that I am devoting my life to right now? Like, what do you go to bed thinking about? What do you wake up thinking about? What is it that you are completely devoting your life to? Because our life will always follow what we devote to. Amen? You say, well, pastor, you know, I, I devote myself to work. I devote myself to raising my kids. Can I give you just a powerful principle in life and it's worked for me? Every single time that when I'm wearing myself thin and I'm frazzled and I don't know which end is up, it's usually because I'm operating out of myself and not the not the strength that God desires to give me on this road trip called life. These twenty five thousand five hundred and fifty days, give or take that we all have, we can become so weary and well doing that we lose heart because we're looking at the circumstance and we're not really focusing ourselves on God. And it's the little course corrections, it's the little things that God does. Proverbs 11.28 says this, A life devoted to things, everybody say things, Things. is a dead life, a stump. A God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. So if you answered the question I just asked and you filled in the blank with stuff and more stuff, what Solomon is saying here is that to live a life just focused on things and more things is a dead life. It's a stump life. I recently had a tree cut down in my yard, and it's right there in the front of my house. I hated to lose it. It was a palm tree that was going to die anyway. 
And now I have a big old stump. And listen, that old ugly stump doesn't compare to the beautiful palm tree I had before. Amen? So as we go down the road trip of life, we evaluate our lives and we say, God, are the things that I'm living for worth Christ dying for, in the words of Leonard Ravenhill? That is a great question to ask yourself, is what do I go to bed thinking about? What do I wake up thinking about? What is it I am devoting my life to? Because if we want to have a life that is full and living and bearing fruit, then we have to evaluate our lives and say, God, what are we pouring our lives into? Jeremiah 17 verses 7 through 8 say this, but blessed, everybody say blessed. Blessed. How many say I want to be blessed? Blessed. Amen. I'm I'm, I'm offering you a 40 day challenge today. And, And listen, oftentimes we say to ourselves, well, God, of course I want your blessing. And of course I want you. And there's, there's mystery in that. I may even teach that through this series, the mystery of a blessing. Like, what is it? And how do I get one? And there, there are things in the Bible that the Bible lays out, but it says, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord. They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the, the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. You ever notice something about trees? And I was a horticulturalist for several years of my life. You ever notice something about trees? They don't consume their own fruit. They don't. When we talk about either being a stump, as the Bible talks about, in other words, a life focused on just how you can get more things is stump life. It's dead. It's dry. There's nothing life-giving in it. That doesn't mean that you don't need things. Jesus said very clearly, I know that you have needs. I know that you have need of shelter and food. And clothing. I know that you, but for, put first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. I want, I don't want to live a stump life. I want to live a life that is flourishing, and my roots go down deep into God and His Word and His presence. Because oftentimes when we think of blessings, one of the first things that comes to mind, and if it did, don't feel bad this morning because I'm, I, I'm this way too. When I begin to think of what God wants to do, I usually get some grand vision of something new in my driveway. Come on, somebody, right? <laughs> like, oh, yes, yes, Lord. But, but you know what the Lord's been teaching me over these last few weeks? That's stump thinking. Because what happens? The, the, the car gets a ding, right? Or, or the house begins, you know, you've got to paint it again. I, I just painted this. I've got to paint it again. In other words, the things that we are sowing into, and here it is. Here, here's here's the, one of the most important things on the road of life, on the road trip of life. When you only have 70 to 75 to 80 years, God willing, on this earth, make sure that the things that you're focused on are things of eternity. Because we all know that it goes, it goes fast. And here it is. If you want to live a life that's more blessed on accident than what you ever could have on purpose. You learn how to be somebody that is blessed so that you can be a blessing. That's it. In other words, the blessings of God are given to us for one very important reason, and we miss this all the time. 
God blesses us. When, when God called Abraham, He told Abraham very, very explicitly, Abraham, I'm calling you and I'm going to give you a son. Well, that was a blessing. That, they didn't have a child to, to pass down everything God had blessed them with and everything God had done. And they wanted a son so bad. And you guys know the story. His wife's in, way up in older age and God says, I'm going to do this for you. And it's going to be a blessing to you. But listen, it's not just going to be a blessing to you, but through this line, I am going to bless the nations. So living a fruitful life, living a, a wonderful life, how many enjoy that when you get something, you like to give it away? I, I, I hope you do. Listen, I, I'll just be straight up honest with you as your pastor this morning. You know I'm going to be anyway. God has, God has, God has had to just break selfishness out of this man's heart. Anybody ever found yourself just being a little selfish? If you're being honest, of course you have, because that's our, that's our fallen nature. That's our bent nature. God has to come along and begin to, by His Holy Spirit, begin to straighten us out. I remember one time Lee and I were in Mexico. We're having our Mexico team leave, team leave this, uh, this coming Saturday. So Wednesday night, if you're on that team, we'll pray over you. We'll anoint you. We'll send you off with the blessing of the Lord. But they're going to be uh, going to Mexico City, where Lee and I worked for years and years and years as missionaries in Cairo, Egypt also. But one time we were standing there, and it was an outreach, and, and these precious people that we ministered to, they were so wonderful. They were always trying to bless us with something. These people didn't have anything. I remember one guy in particular. We were there working, doing medical outreaches, doing kids' ministry, cutting people's hair, pulling people's teeth, witnessing. We had churches there with us, you know, local churches that people could get plugged into if they gave their hearts to the Lord. And this brother was so precious. I mentioned to somebody that my mouth was dry and that I could, you know, use. I was like, man, does anybody have a stick of gum? He heard that. Nobody had anything out there. So he walked probably about four miles across this four-lane highway into town. And he comes back with a handful of candy. Now, I don't know if you've ever had candy in another country. It ain't the same candy, y'all. It is not. The same candy. And what do people do when they want to bless you? They want to watch you eat. And he handed me one, and man, I had learned my lesson with some candy I had eaten before. One I unwrapped and popped it in my mouth, and then it had chili powder on it. So he handed it to me. I'm like, well, what's this one? I'm thinking it's probably cinnamon, spearmint. He's like, it's beef. And I had it in my hand, and I said, you know who loves these? Leah Hanks. <laughs> Let's wait until she gets back over here. And let, I, I, so, listen, I was blessed, but I wanted to be a blessing to somebody else. In church, we have God put something in our hand. And on this road trip called life, and, and listen, everything comes from Jesus. Everything is under His feet. Everything. Colossians plainly tells us that on this road of life, we may all look like we have a different destination, but all of us have an appointment in the future, and that is to stand before Jesus and plainly says to give an account. God keeps really good records for every. So on this road of life, we want to be a fruitful tree 
and not a dry stump. And we become dry stumps by constantly focusing on the here and now and the little things that we think take up so much of our time and all these little things that we need. This challenge that I'm offering you this morning, these 40 days, is that when God blesses you, your first instinct wouldn't be, oh, great, this is what I can do with it. But watch your life begin to change when you begin to understand that you are blessed so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. Because I'm telling you right now, the most fruitful life that any of us can live is live a life that is unselfish, that is focused on God, His Word, and the right things. And to understand that we want to be fruitful trees, we want to have our roots down deep, and we are blessed to be a blessing. Amen? So, I ask myself the next question. This is for me, but I'm preaching it today, and this will be a theme of our series these next couple weeks, two, three weeks. As I said, why are we so self-centered when we're trying to find our purpose? And I believe that part of the answer, maybe for you, it was for me, part of the answer that I found is because I began to always start my questions with, well, God, what do I want to be? And what should I do with my life? And what are my goals and my ambitions and my future and my dreams? Listen, you need to be very careful with the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I, because most of the time it stands in direct opposition to the holy trinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, because God does have a plan, He does have a purpose, and He does have something for you to do, but the way and entryway into the kingdom and being fruitful for Him is that you lay aside everything of yourself you empty it before him and you say, Jesus, you come fill me up and you live your life now through me as I live obediently to your word. Because we get stuck in self and we need to be very careful of being stuck in ourselves. So I thought of some areas that God would want us to be fruitful like a tree in. And number one today is this, service. Everybody say service. Service. This is very practical And it will be over the next few weeks. But I'm telling you, if you will receive this 40-day challenge, when you came in, did you get a little piece of paper with a blessing on it? That is not something that's a magic incantation. That is something that my church back in Ohio has been praying together at the end of every single service, I want to say for 25 years. And listen to me, I've seen the fruit. When I went home, I'm amazed at how blessed people are. You have power on your lips, church. You do. You may not know this, but when you're full of God, when you've repented, when you've come into His kingdom through repentance and, and, and ask Him to wash of your sin and come into your life, then the, the course is set for you to begin to know Him and to grow spiritually. That's why communities like this and many others meeting all over this county right now are so incredibly important because we need each other. And you begin to grow and you begin to move forward. And as I was talking to my pastor in Ohio that I got saved under his ministry and we've remained, he's he's like a part of our family at this point. My family's been, he's been pastoring my family, not me, myself only, for almost 30 years now. That's a beautiful relationship. He, you know, we, we do birthdays and all that kind of stuff. But I was talking to him and just talking about the current state of the world. And he said, Jason... The church needs to finally draw a line and say this is where we stand because the world's looking for leadership. 
So you're going to hear that come out of my sermons these next few months, is we're going to take a stand on God's Word. Amen? And if it offends you, then maybe if it quacks like a duck and looks like a duck, then maybe it's a duck. Amen? And let's start calling sin, sin again. And let's, call, let, let, let's remind everybody that there really is a place called hell and there really is a place called heaven. There really is a devil that's operating in our world and he's deceiving people. And from our pulpits, we have not just stood here and said, no, that is not God's truth. Amen? But listen, if we could become people of service, say service again. One of the areas that God would challenge us and has challenged me is just simply service. There's a story about Abraham that I talked about just a minute ago. And he sends out his, he sends out his uh, servant, Eleazar. And he, he talks to Eleazar and he says, Eleazar, my son, needs a wife. So the beauty of this is he takes these several camels and he packs them down with gold, silver, rubies. I mean, more treasure than what you could possibly know and understand. And then you had, you, you had him traveling. And as he's traveling along... He, he comes up to a watering hole and he says something very profound. He says, Lord, I need to know who it is that you want me to find as a wife for Abraham's son. So he says, when I come to the watering hole, the person who says to me, I offer you some water, but not only you, but your camels also, was a young lady named Rebecca. And Rebecca had a heart, not just to serve a little, you hearing me? but to serve with all of her heart. In other words, Rebecca was a, a, a go beyond the first mile. She was a second mile type of person and believer. But the, what she didn't know is something that she probably had done. And this is my encouragement to many in this room. Because you guys have served and you've done it out of a heart of I love God and I love His people. So I'm going to serve in whatever way I can. And you've done it out of the right heart. You've done it for the right motivation. You've done it because, hey, this is who I am and this is what I want to do. What Rebecca did not know, and this is so amazing, was there was treasure laden with those camels. Because when she said, comes up and says, not only you, but your camels also, we think, oh, she gave the camels a little drink. Do you know how many gallons of water a camel (laughs) can drink? In other words, just from the story, the amount of camels and how long the hours it would take for a camel to refill itself, she would have taken probably four or five hours to go back and come over and water and go back and come over and water. And I just want to tell you this. When we commit our lives to God and we go the extra mile and we are people of service, listen, great blessings come from little tiny things that we do every single day. You don't know, and this is my encouragement to some of you today. You're like, Lord, I've been serving, I've been serving, I've been faithful, I've been faithful. Don't think that God does not see that faithfulness, church. Don't think that He doesn't see that heart to go above and beyond. And that's really where I want to grow in my own life and heart. Because I found out on the mission field very quickly that, that true sacrificial service is doing something for somebody that can do absolutely nothing in return for you. If she is watering those camels, she didn't say, oh, I see a little gold, I see a few rubies, I see some... Maybe there's something in it for me. Church, if we can get over there's something in it for me, Christianity, and just be people that serve, that is a fruitful tree and not a stump. That is, that is an adjustment that everybody under the sound of my voice, including myself, is just get back to serving and loving people. We will see our communities change. Amen? The second thing 
The fruit that she saw is when she went the extra mile, that just little extra spirit. But listen, extra blessings come from extra efforts. I'm telling you, they do. The reason that that's so important is we, are, we live in a culture of self-help. Everybody say self-help. What I found is that it's not so much the self-help that is going to change people. Self-sacrifice trumps self-help, church. Self-sacrifice trumps self-help. Four or five hours of watering and doing, not knowing that the blessing was right there. And some of you have just remained faithful, even in the face of of being ostracized perhaps, or even people saying, "Ah, I don't want anything to do with somebody that follows Jesus that closely. Let me tell you something this morning. Extra blessings come when we sacrifice and do it for God. Number two, passionate faith. Everybody say passionate faith. You can make an adjustment the next 40 days on the road trip of life by getting one very important element, not just your service, but stir up the fire of passionate faith. Amen? I think back to a a character in the Bible named Caleb. And Caleb was one of the spies that came out of the promised land. And he said, hey, I, I believe my God. I believe that God's able to do what he said that he would do by giving us this land. And he was apportioned and given a certain place. Listen, not just for himself, but for his descendants. We've been talking through Pastor Hal about legacy and about legacy in this church and passing our faith down to the next generation, what you saw here, what Leah's doing upstairs. So incredibly important to us. And, and Caleb was somebody of passionate faith. Because church, let, let, let's just call it what it is. Oftentimes we serve God when it suits us. Are you hearing me this morning? Sometimes we allow the passion that our faith should instill and have because we have a world that's lost and dying and it's not just service that's going to win them. It's not just service that's going to bring fruit and blessing into your life. It's having a passionate faith. You know what the difference between boiling water and water that's not boiling? One degree. Amen? Some of you have come to that place where you just need the next 40 days as you focus on God, as you, as you make a course correction on the road trip of life to grow closer to Him. In the fruit of passionate faith, He was given the land of Hebron for Him and His descendants. We can claim the promises of God, not just for us, but for our children. When you have passionate faith, and it doesn't seem like maybe the children and grandchildren are following in your footsteps, listen, you can stand in faith and say, I claim my children and my children's children and their children's children that we are a family of faith, we are a family of blessing, we are a family that follows God. That doesn't mean they don't make their own decision, but it means you've got something to stand on when you live a life of passion. Listen, it's living a life that's not compromised. Because the third thing I want to talk to you today about is holiness and separation from the world. Amen? We are in the world, but we're not of the world. And I'm afraid what happens is we find out how close we can get to the world and still be close to God. What if... For the next 40 days, you evaluated your life and said, God, I've got some course corrections. I've got a different destination that I want to get to. So as I make these course corrections, Father, I want to end up at a place that isn't closer to the world. I want to end up in a place that lives separate for him. 
God, listen, God's just looking for a group of people, whether it's in your family or whether it's right here in this church or, or your wherever it is. Where, all the areas and spheres that you operate in as a believer and as a Christian. Here's what God's looking for. He's looking for consistency. So often the world looks at us as a church and they're like, well, what is, what's different about you anyway? And, and oftentimes we make a list of things. Well, I don't go here and I don't go there and I don't do this and I don't do that. And that's all well and good to, to be known for the things that you stand against. But can we get to the place when it comes to holiness and separation that we begin to explain to people why we make those decisions? I make the decisions I do because I want the presence of God more than I want anything else. I want to be closer to him, not further away from him. The world is looking for people to take a stand. And the fruit of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I I thought of them when it came to separation from the world, because they were people of excellence. They served the king. they, they, They operated in a way in excellence. But when it came to a line of them saying, look, you're going to bow down to this, and that's where we are in our culture. Our culture is saying to the Christians, listen, you are going to bow down to this. And is, if we take a stand, then there will be repercussions for that. But can I tell you, for this man and this church, I would rather be on God's side than the world's side. Amen. I would rather be in alignment with what he says because we're all going down the road of life and we all have a destination. And then the fourth one I thought of is warfare. Everybody say warfare. warfare. Whether you realize it or not, you are in a war. And the warfare has been intense. It's been intense a long time, which fills me with faith and hope. It doesn't make me shrink back. I actually stand up a little taller because I know for a lot of you in this room, the devil's fighting you tooth and nail. And I'll say this. He doesn't fight what he's not afraid of. Come on. (laughs) We have warfare that we're all going through. But I can assure you that the enemy has not taken any time off this week. Amen. He's still out there seeking whom he may devour. And we must know and realize that the devil isn't going to let go of our children without a fight. He's not going to let go of your finances without a fight. He's not going to let go of your home without a fight. He's not going to let go of some of your bodies without a fight. But I want to came to tell you today that the, the, the fruit in the living tree that's anchored down in water, it says even though drought may come and pestilence may come, it still bears fruit because we can stand in victory of the blood in the name of Jesus Christ. So not only... Can we grow fruit in service? Not only can we grow fruit in our consecration over these next 40 days in this road trip called life, but we can also grow in our understanding because I think of Joshua. And he had one of the spies who believed that they could take the land. And Joshua and Caleb, they were warriors. And they understood that they they weren't able, but with God they were. Amen? What's the fruit? What's the blessing? And listen, all these blessings, if you tie them back into what I talked about a moment ago, that we are blessed to be a blessing. When you go to serve somebody and you do it out of the right heart and spirit, God can't resist but to press down, running over, shaking together, open windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon you. When it comes to finally standing up and maybe in some of your homes, and I've done this myself, maybe some of your homes, And you just begin to look and say, no, that's not who we are. You say, oh, this is old-fashioned Pentecostal preaching. Let it be whatever it is. When I walk walk past the TV and I see somebody blaspheming God, why would I want that in my house? In other words, the fruit of making decisions to get closer to God is going to bear out in every area of your life. 
But there will be warfare. Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. There will be warfare. The enemy's not going to just let you over these next 40 days. Because, again, this is something people usually do in the fall. This is something that pastors refocus when everybody starts to come back in and we get all our snowbirds. But I just began to think, Lord, right here in the middle of the summer, what, what would this church look like 40 days from now if we were all focused on you for 40 solid days? Because we think it's 25,550 days. God can do more in focused prayer and, and fasting and focused on Him than what we could ever believe. And these are just a few of the areas that when you begin to walk down that path and make a course correction of where God wants to get you, when you get there, listen, don't be, don't be alarmed when the enemy comes against you. Most people give up at that point. Well, I didn't know they were, the enemy was going to attack me. Oh, absolutely. But thanks be to God, <laughs> the Bible says, that Jesus leads us in triumph. Worship. Everybody say worship. God is just looking for people who will be consistent in their worship of Him. I think of Mary when she came and brought that alabaster box. And it's one of the reasons why I have it on my heart so strongly on Wednesday nights the next three weeks. Listen, we come in with no agenda. And, and it's even fine if you're able to come and, and you can only stay for 30, 45 minutes. Here's what I, your pastor wants to promise you. If God's moving, I ain't leaving. Okay? So you can come in and out. You know, the doors are open. Bless coming in and bless going out. But I'm, I just, I, I preached this like a few Wednesdays ago, and I said, you know, the, the Holy Spirit's become such an afterthought in our charismatic Pentecostal churches. It's really a shame. And there's only one thing that I can come to the conclusion to, is sometimes when He's ready to do His greatest work, we're so quick to move on, including myself. So we're just going to come in here with no agenda, absolutely no agenda except to listen to what he's telling us to do. And if you're kind of, if you're new here or you even just came to visit today, say, man, I, just, I don't know where I ended up. Can I again just tell you of the people sitting around you, what changed our lives wasn't a sermon, it was meeting him. Amen. The presence of God will absolutely change everything about you. Amen. And we're going to make an atmosphere conducive to that. Amen? It's worship. And the fruit of our worship, the, here's the fruit of worship, is that, we can live a consistently close and blessed relationship with Jesus. Worship is the avenue that we do that. But if you'd come, please, and begin to just play there. I'm going to land right here this morning. This road trip called life ends up in eternal life, and everyone will see and stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 9, verse 23 through 25. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself... We started with Colossians 1, 16 through 18. And it says very clearly that everything, invisible, visible, created, everything, everything has and finds its place in Jesus and under Jesus. Everything. So he's saying here, if you want to know the path of life, if you want to be a person who has a fruitful life and not a stump life that's focused on things. He said, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? Sobering words. Matthew 16 
25 and 26, self-help is no self-help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? John 17, verses 1 through 2. Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, you have given your son authority over everyone. Romans 14, 10. Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Yes, each one of us will give a personal account to God. Stand with me this morning. Every road trip that you go on, hopefully, has ended up at the place that you had desired to end up at. But in life, on the road trip called life, you have to have a very clearly marked out destination that God wants to get you to. But we all end up at the same place. We all end up at the place of something called the judgment seat of Christ. We all end up in eternity, and it says, the great white throne judgment, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to be a flourishing tree and not a dead stump. Is anybody else? But here's the two questions that you're going to get when you do end up on the road trip whenever God has. It's appointed unto man once to die. So tomorrow is not promised to anybody in this room right here, including this man standing in front of you. We pray for healing. We pray for God's blessing to be upon our physical bodies and to God to be able to give us the ability to serve and to worship and to love and to do the things that he's called us to do. When you stand before him, there's only going to be two questions. And number one, he's going to say, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? And secondly, he's going to say this, what did you do with what I gave to you? Those are the two questions that you're going to get. What, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? Because there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Bow your heads with me this morning. So here's the question. Have you given God everything? Let me start right there. Some of you have made a commitment to Christ. You've asked him to wash you clean. You've begun that journey. But the first group of people that I want to talk to this morning for just a moment so that we can repent. Repent means to have a change of mind. And hopefully the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about something in your life that you haven't completely laid down before Him. In other words, have you really truly committed everything, the good, the bad, the ugly? It's easy to give Him all the ugly stuff. It's kind of harder to give Him stuff that we're really holding on to tightly. But I'm with Corey Timboom who said, I hold on to things very loosely so that Jesus doesn't have to pry it out of my hand. Because he will. So here's my question for maybe a group of people here. And you just say, today I'm going to lay down everything. Everything I'm going to lay it down before him. Would you shoot your hand up right there where you are? Amen. Amen. Let's pray right there for this group, including myself. Father. We humbly hear your word and we respond to it. You said in your word, God, that he who wants to come after me, deny himself, take up our cross daily and to follow you. So, Lord, those things that we're holding on to, even the good things, Lord, even, even concern for our brothers or sisters or our family, God, today we lay it at your throne. 
And Father, I pray today that as we lay these things down, those things that we're holding on to, and we're giving you everything right now in this moment, Jesus. We're giving you everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, the the things of parts of us that we think you don't know about, Lord. We give it to you right now. But Lord, we just release it all to you so that, God, the peace that passes all understanding, there it is. Some of you are laying things that that the Lord has been speaking to you about for not just months, but he's been talking to you for years. And I want to remind you how good of a God that would be that long suffering with myself and some of you that are here. Lay it down before him and let that peace just wash over you right now in this moment. And the next question I have for some in here is... The scripture says that he led the resurrection parade. Are you in that resurrection parade this morning? Because when when we repent and put our faith in Christ, you have passed from death to life. You've gone from unrighteous sin to the righteousness of God in Christ. It's a miracle, but it all comes down to repenting of your sin and believing that Jesus paid the price on the cross for you. So today as we end, I want to ask this question and every head bowed and eye closed, just give privacy to the person right there. You say, I need to begin on that journey, that road trip, pastor. I need to turn my car around and I need to head towards eternity in Jesus. And I need to commit my life to him today. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand up right there where you are? Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I never get tired of people coming to faith. Let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you brought me here today. You brought me here to hear your word. And right now, I respond to your word. I ask you today to wash me clean. I turn away from my sin. And I turn towards you. I ask you today, wash me, cleanse me, come into my heart. I believe that you went to the cross, went to the grave, rose again, and you are in heaven. And I desire to be in heaven with you. Forgive me, Lord. Be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. You folks who made that commitment, let me tell you, walking with Jesus is a lot better when you do it collectively in a community. Amen. So we invite you to come back and to get plugged in and to be discipled by the beautiful family and expression of faith today. Amen. I tell you what, if you got that piece of paper, would you grab it? We're going to do this, and my my challenge to you is not only dig into God even more. Can I borrow yours real quick? We're going to have this up on the screen these next few weeks. And I felt very strongly to give you this today. So that, and listen, this isn't some kind, this is, this is the power of God's word spoken from the mouth of faith. So we're going to read this together line by line. Let's start. I am blessed. I am blessed going in. I am blessed going out. I am blessed in the bowl. And I am blessed in the field. I am blessed in the city. 
am blessed in the country. My family is blessed. My home is blessed. Everything I put my hand to is blessed. Everywhere I put my foot down is blessed. Those that bless me are blessed. And I am a blessing. Amen. Father, I bless the people of God. Father, may your hand be upon them. May your protection be with them. May you cover them. And may you draw them again closer to yourself. We are blessed today, Lord. And we go in your name understanding that. And we love you, Lord, until we meet at the appointed time on Wednesday. We ask your protection upon the family of God, traveling even right now. And God, those that are here, in Jesus' name, be dismissed and go in the name of the Lord. God bless you. If nobody's told you they love you today, your pastor loves you dearly and prays you have a wonderful rest of your Sunday. Be safe and be blessed, y'all.